The Car Guys Report Informed Automotive is up next, but first, take a listen to this other fine OPI show. On this week's Free Kicks with Adam and Rick, we talk about the best soccer slash football team in the entire world, and that team is... Liverpool, of course. Uh, I thought you were going to say Chelsea. <laughs> would have been incorrect. It is Liverpool. Uh, find out all about the greatest team in the world. It's uh, uh, part of our favorite discussion coming up this week on Free Kicks. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. I'm Mark Vernon, along with uh, Lou Costable. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride here on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Really glad to uh, have you along. And, uh, you know, Lou, we're going to start uh, this program as we uh, start most of our programs. We're just some chit-chat about uh, cars we've either seen on the road or things that have been happening in our car lives. And uh, the other uh, day I was uh, driving a couple of my cars, getting them uh, ready for the uh, colder winter months. And it was a nice day. And I happened to uh, actually... Probably people were doing the same thing I was doing, uh, getting the cars exercised a little bit uh, for uh, perhaps uh, longer-term winter storage. And um, along the same road, actually, in a course of about three hours i saw a first of all i saw a black 69 olds 442 which was pretty nice and it was interesting too because the license plate said something about con on it and i was thinking like does that mean it's a real 442 or was it like a like a tribute you know, a tribute yeah tribute. i'm not sure um i and i, I couldn't tell you know i, I wasn't able to actually what were the, what were see the, the car I'm up curious, close what were the color on the stripes it Silver? was I want to say silver or white. Okay. Yeah. But it was black, though. It was, I don't know how many... I don't know what the popular colors were. I remember the, the all the ye- yellow ones that they had in the early 70s where the bumpers were yellow and yeah. everything was yellow. This was an earlier one. And I don't know. I don't know what the significance of the con was on the um, on the license plate. But that's the first thing I thought of, a tribute or homage or something like that. And then two cars that I saw, and they both had drag slicks on the rear, a 58 uh, Corvette Turquoise with white coves. Wow. And big drag slicks, enough to make the car actually pretty, pretty well jacked up in the rear. Yeah. And then a 64 Dodge Polara beige hardtop with drag slicks. And that probably had the big 440 wedge in it i would think if it's a a real um you know polara sleeper car whatever you want to call it but they both had drag slicks on them and (laughs) it's interesting because you don't see too many cars driving around these days with with true drag slicks on them like that where they're you know obviously so big and so jacking up the car in the back that it's like whoa but that was all in one day so that was good i always keep a notepad with me in the car so i can take notes for the car guys report uh you never know what you're going to see yeah that's (laughs) a good one have you ever had a drag slicks on any of your cars that you've uh that you've ever owned, Lou? Any crazy uh, things like that? No drag slicks. I will say that the uh, Dodge Viper that I have, the tread on there is almost non-existent. Yeah. So so that's pretty close to a drag slick. What's the size of the rear tires on that car? Is it like a three, 305 or 315 nope. uh, uh, 19 or whatever what are, what is the diameter on well this? The, at the time the dodge viper was marketed as the widest tire, tire on yeah. a car you could get i want to so say like 375s yeah something really Just crazy huge, like, yeah yeah well you know they're they're low profile and yeah. super have you ever replaced them or yeah 
you have? Yeah, they're not. Uh, you can actually get that done at like discount tire. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can get it done at the dealership if you like to pay another extra thousand. But, um, you know, you can go to discount tire and and I'll tell you, the guys at discount tire, when you bring a Viper in, they really enjoy yeah, it. Of course. They, they definitely, <laughs> you know, my man, I'll take you and you know, get this Prius out of here. Put the Viper in here. You know, I was just—I saw a blurb uh, actually. No to, disrespect to your girlfriend. No, that's okay. She's taken her car to, to Discount Tire, and they've treated her just the same. Okay, all right, yeah. good, all right. Yeah. And there was a Maserati she, there when, when she we has were there a, last time. I so. know she has a Prius. <laughs> she so does not, definitely. Um, I just saw a quick blurb, not to digress, but you're just, we were just talking about tires recently. Um, the cost of uh, owning a, a Bugatti Veyron. Oh, boy. And I'm like, okay, well, come on. The car is like $2 million. So, of course, it's going to be expensive to maintain. So, it's almost a moot point. But they said that two or three interesting things that, that uh, struck me. One was the fact that they said that Bugatti requires you or, or states in the owner's manual that you should replace all the fluids in the car once a year. And there's something like a total of 16 different drain plugs <laughs> for all the fluids. That's and some of them are, of course, inaccessible where you have to take off like 20, half the rear $20, end. $20,000 I can't remember what the, the – something like that, some ridiculous amount of, of, of uh, charge for that service. And then they said that you should replace the tires, I think they said once a year because, you know, the car is a high, super high – performance car if you're ever driving it at speed they want to make sure that you know nothing's going to happen and the tires are very expensive but then he's the guy that owned it said that well the newer ones are going to have tires that are not as expensive to replace but then this was interesting they said that you should actually replace the wheels every ten thousand miles the rims the, the actual, actual rims, rims. And, I, and i don't know if it's because of the stresses that would be with so much torque in that car and the speeds that it can achieve maybe again they're just they're being very cautious i'm sure yeah but they don't want the rim somehow disintegrating or something but i'm like rims every ten thousand miles <laughs> that's crazy i guess when you own a bugatti <laughs> exactly i ho- mean hopefully i have that problem yeah someday, exactly yeah that, Who, that i'll be able to have those challenges <laughs> i think it's fun to try to figure yeah. out 16 drain plugs <laughs> Mar- mark mark they got me for another 20 g yeah to to, to, to replace my fluids <laughs> i hope that that's coming up on the car guys report very soon <laughs> Just things to talk about. Slicks. That's what we like talking about. Be sure to tell a friend about the Car Guys Report. It's available online at radiomisfits.com. Follow us on Twitter at at, uh, Car Guys Podcast. And, of course, Car Guys Report at hotmail.com is our email address. We'd love to hear your questions, your comments, your feedback, your suggestions. If you want to tell Lou to get a haircut, that's fine. If you want to uh, tell me to stop talking about Aston Martins, well, maybe. But uh, we'll see, because that's coming up a little bit later on in this program, too. But, you know, Lou, this is a car that... Well, I, well let's not go off of slicks. Why don't you explain <laughs> what slicks are? They're just giant uh, tires that are used at the drag strip that just have no tread in them. They're just they're just uh, smooth rubber. And they're a real soft compound, too, so they can uh, heat up and get traction on the, uh, on the pavement. And they're not, there's no way they could be street legal because um, you have absolutely zero traction in any kind of moisture on the road, correct? Right. So, or cold. So, yeah. Okay. I cold. just wanted to explain yeah. that to maybe some of our younger listeners, what's a slick? Yeah, you don't really see slicks on cars anymore, you right. know? Yeah, yeah. Unless, and even who goes to a drag strip anymore, you know? The thing that always amazed me back in the day. In Wh- the, when's the last time you've been to a drag strip? I've never been to an actual drag strip. I, I interviewed Don Garlitz, Big Daddy Don Garlitz, when I was in high school for the yeah. high school radio station. I still have that tape maybe somewhere at home but um it was fascinating talking to him but i've never actually been to an actual drag strip so back in the 
let's just say before in the 70s, 60s, go forward, pretty much cubic inch was your answer. The oh, yeah. The more cubic inch you had, the bigger the sound, yeah. the more fun you were going to have. Okay. The only exception that might be like uh, Bob Riggle driving Hemi under glass and doing a wheelie all the way down the thing. Then, then they started to get into some of the turbo uh, cars. And you, last time I was at a drag strip, I saw a four-door Honda Civic with slicks on the front of it. Yeah, front-wheel drive. Since we now know yeah. what slicks are. Yeah. And there was a noise coming out of it that sounded somewhat like, and I don't know exactly what a howitzer would sound yeah. like, but you would hear, boom, mm-hmm. boom. And That's the wastegate, I think, if it's they turbocharged. They were running nitri- yeah. nitrous and things like that. And this thing ran like a 10-second quarter oh, yeah. mile. And I thought to myself, holy cow, <laughs> has this game changed? <laughs> so, yeah, the technology has really changed the game as far as what you can do when, with computers and chips and gearing. And, oh, my gosh. I mean, so when I saw, you know, just some four-door Honda Civic yeah. that you wouldn't even think, you know, other than the fact that obviously the front tires were. Well, there's obviously massive. tons of stuff on YouTube and online, too, that you, you do searches for these crazy, you know, modified cars that people are doing. I, I think I saw one the other day. Was, I think it was a Honda that had, like, four turbochargers on it. Probably yeah, the car or, you saw. <laughs> yeah, or, or you know, the the Teslas. You know, yeah. you run a Tesla and throw it in ludicrous. And, yeah, and it's you know, silent. All, it's silent and all four wheels yeah. hook up and, you know. Boom, you're gone. Yeah, you're gone. Yeah. So it's really changed quite a bit so what i was going to say real briefly is i just always remember in the 70s watching uh funny cars and, and mainly uh, rail dragsters um when the tires um you know heat up and, and and they they hit it to go off the line and the tires go from being fat and low and they literally you actually see them you know tighten up and get taller and then i remember reading too that those dragsters have so much power that the actual rim can rotate independently of the tire because it's spinning you know so much power just it's just amazing seeing stuff like that so to that point they take bolts and actually bolt them in is that the, what into, they do into yeah the, into the beat of the tire yeah because you so know what i'm talking about yeah. yeah so so they'd go from to your point uh you know low and fat to thin and wide yeah so yeah yeah it's amazing stuff a car that uh, you know i've had my eye on for a while lou and actually it was one of the cars i i was potentially cross shopping before i bought my 911 was the uh maserati gran turismo beautiful car uh the one that came out uh they actually had a version of it early in the earlier 2000s it was not as uh, pretty of a car as the one that I'm talking about now. The Gran Turismo started in uh, 2008. And the, the nice thing about this car is actually three things. Um, they're very affordable right now on the used market. Um, actually, they've actually gone down in price because I checked uh, a, a week or two ago uh, since when I was looking at them about a year and a half ago. You can get a decent example used for in the low 30s. And it's, wow. a, it's a beautiful car. And the, the cool thing about that car is I have not, honestly, uh, when I was doing research on it, I could not find anything that was highly negative about the car as far as like maintenance or reliability or anything like that it seems like it's a very rock solid car it's got a zf six-speed automatic which is a great uh transmission and the beauty of it it's got this 4.7 liter ferrari uh derived ferrari manufactured v8 and if you ever heard the 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 sound of the the maserati gran turismo with that v8 and it's got one of the best 
sounding exhaust slash engines in it of any production car i think it's just a incredible incredible sound yeah and it's i was tempted to buy it just because of that because it's yeah. just it's oh it's 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 so awesome actually i never uh test drove one i i, I tried one on for size at one of the Meekum auctions and i'm i'm glad i got the 911 i think i made the right choice but this might be on my radar f- future because i the prices will probably go down a little bit more but in this long winded thing i'm getting around to is the fact that uh, maserati has built the final gran turismo they decided that uh pretty much reached the end of the line and uh they called it the uh the final version um was called the zeta z-e-d-a was the uh, final one that's the one that rolled off the assembly line but and they're doing this because Maserati is getting to, uh, I hate to say it, they're starting to uh, get geared up for electrification in their model lines. We don't have a lot of details on that, but um, getting back to the final uh, Gran Turismo, they said that it uh, rolled off the line at its Modena plant in Italy. Um, the Maserati is commemorating the last Gran Turismo with the Zeta a name that pays tribute to Maserati's roots and reminds uh, us that there is a new beginning for every ending, Maserati said in a press release. And they're also uh, ending the uh, production of the convertible version of the uh, Gran Turismo. But uh, is it just like I said, it's just a very, very cool car, high performance, beautiful uh, leather swathed. Um, Italian interior, uh, 11 years of production, which is a pretty good run. Naturally aspirated, Ferrari built, 454 horsepower, 4.7 liter V8. As I said, just incredible sound. And it says, underpowered for its class, it oozed style inside and out with the sharp and sporty lines on the exterior and, like I just said, the lavish interior. And they say that uh, the cars that will replace the Gran Turismo uh, to be built at the uh, company's Turin plant will be the first Maseratis with an electrified powertrain. So we're not sure exactly uh, what those cars will be, but it's something to uh, look forward to in the future. But uh, once again, Maserati Gran Turismo, if you want to buy one, um, once the car is discontinued, that can be a positive or a negative. Because once a car becomes a technically what the term is an orphan, a car that's not manufactured anymore, that scares some people off, especially with a lower production car like this. Other people, um, it would tend to increase uh, demand for it because, you know, there's not going to be any more and what's out there is out there. So take that uh, any way you want, but definitely a car that... Uh, has been on my radar and still remains on my radar to this day. Also, too, uh, Lou, we talked about... Let's stay on the the Maserati for a second. Number one, the name Maserati Mm -hmm. is just cool. Oh, it's iconic. Yeah, Yeah. so when you just say Maserati, you know, I mean, it just... And the Trident logo is awesome. So uh, I was fortunate enough to get a chance to drive in one of those, and um, the sound is great, as you're saying. There is one on the channel and the woman who owns it that we did the video with was uh, Barbie, and she shows every guy how to rev an engine. <laughs> if you haven't revved an engine, listen to the way Barbie cool. revs an engine, and she'll she'll teach us all. And you do agree, right? That well, sound is amazing. Well, she she lets us all hear <laughs> yeah. it. There's no question about that. So uh, if you're on YouTube, go to My Car Story with Lou and punch in Maserati, and you'll see a few of them, but you'll you won't miss her black one. And then when she revs it up. Uh, You'll enjoy that sound. Cool. That's awesome. Um, you know, uh, one of the early programs we did here on the uh, Car Guys Report, we talked about the uh, crate engine that uh, 
that uh, Chrysler or Dodge released the Heliphant, which was this ridiculous 1,000-horsepower crate engine which sold out. They only made 100 of them, but it literally sold out in 48 hours. And, you know, crate engines had been around for a long time, uh, you know, basically like the LS uh, series of V8s that uh, Chevy has are used in a lot of resto mods. And uh, Chevy's getting ready or has actually um, debuted a new crate engine uh, at uh, SEMA this year. And no word on the price yet, but they're calling it the SP383EFI, which is obviously, as the name indicates, features electronic fuel injection. But they say there is a twist. This crate engine is also patented after the venerable 383 small block stroker V8. So you get plenty of torque combined with improved drivability. Uh, The specs are going to be 450 horsepower, 436 pound-feet of torque. So those are uh, good, solid numbers. And again, it's a a, uh, naturally aspirated engine, of course, fuel injected. And one thing that I didn't know that 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 the resto modders are doing because I I haven't um, really talked to that many of them, but uh, I have a friend of mine who is uh, building a car and he's doing something similar. He's going to have an LS crate engine, but what they do on this new Chevy 383 crate engine is they're making it look uh, vintage appropriate, as they say, because even though it's fuel injected, they have the intake manifold cleverly styled to look like it's carbureted. All the injectors are plumbed into the intake manifold, keeping them out of sight so where a carb would be there's the throttle body but you're not looking at an engine that looks like hey this is like some modern engine even though it is and that's what my friend is doing with his ls they're gonna um, get different valve covers that are vintage styled and tuck all the <clears throat> fuel injection stuff underneath there so it'll look like a, a v8 back in the day even though it's a modern engine which is pretty cool and they say two versions of the uh, chevy uh, performance sp383 will be available one is called a deluxe and that comes with the uh, throttle body distributor damper and flex plate and then there's a turnkey assembly that adds to the Lux kit with an air cleaner, front end accessory drive, breather, PCV valve, and starter. So that's pretty much complete, ready to drop into whatever uh, your uh, chosen vehicle will be. And they say it's basically a plug-and-play uh, engine controller and harness are included as well. So just something if you happen to be uh, building uh, or looking to build some sort of a Restomod or maybe just you have an old car that you're thinking about upgrading the performance with a new engine, this uh, SP3. 383 EFI crate engine from Chevrolet is available, and it looks like it'll definitely be a, a good uh, good alternative, good option for a lot of people. Um, you know, Lou, we've got uh, our friends at Nicholas Mee & Company in England. Uh, they are an Aston Martin dealer. I'm on their uh, mailing list, and I get their newsletter every month. And it always they always have really, really interesting cars for sale. We've talked about a car, uh, an Aston Martin that Peter Sellers owned. We talked about, I think maybe at the beginning of the, uh, of the uh, Car Guys report many months ago, I had mentioned that last year they had an a Aston Martin that um, – Robert Plant owned at one point, which and they had actually a picture of Robert Plant standing in front of his car. I'm like, wow, if those if those seats could talk, you know, that would just be amazing. And we're actually going to not on this program, but on a future episode of the Car Guys Report, I'm going to talk about another rock star car that they currently have. Uh, on their used car lot, and it's a very cool uh, dual rock star car. We'll be talking about that. But 
a car that they have uh, now is a 1961 Aston Martin DB4, and it's an FIA race car. FIA is, um, if you translate it into English, it basically is uh, International Automobile Federation. They have a lot to do with uh, Formula One and um, things like that. And this car is prepped for uh, FIA racing. And they say price on application. So that means it's uh, you got to ask what the price is. <laughs> so, you know, it's going to be uh, a few bucks, but it's pretty cool. It's got uh, snow shadow gray over dark gray hides. And it was uh, prepared for competition uh, between 2010 and 2012 by uh, renowned historic racing specialist Aston Engineering of Derby, England. And it's just a totally awesome-looking car. It uh, was campaigned in the 2013 SPA Six Hours Endurance Race, Silverstone Classic, AMOC, Intermark, and Masters Historic Races, and other ones as well. So it's got uh, some definite uh, recent race provenance to it, 340 horsepower on tap, only three previous owners, too, for a 1961, which is pretty cool. And it's just a cool, uh, just kind of a badass looking uh, DB4. It's lowered. It's not doesn't have any like weird um, fender flares or anything like that on it. But it's got um, it's got the appropriate uh, race car. You know, obviously a cage and things like that, and and other uh, modifications for racing. But definitely a cool car. And I just I have a lot of respect for Nicholas Me that they get these very interesting cars. Um, for their um, used car lot, if you want to call it that. When you're calling a car, that's probably going to be a million dollars a used car. But it's just neat that they um, highlight those cars. And it's always something that I look forward to when I see that uh, Nicholas Me email in my uh, email box that um, something interesting uh, awaits me when I open it up. Speaking of email, you can always email us at the Car Guys Report. Uh, our email address is carguysreport at hotmail.com. And if you like what we're doing here on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, be sure to check out some of the other programs on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, like the show Lasano and Friends. That's an OPI show. Join Tony Lasano, your friend and mine, and his very funny friends for a casual comedic conversation about everything go to opishows.com or wherever you find podcasts just search for radio misfits and you'll be plugged in to all the radio misfits podcasts including what we're doing here the car guys report informed automotive mark vernon along with uh, lou costable and lou we've talked from time to time here on the program about uh, various auto auto audio uh, highlights. Uh, I know the Detroit Symphony recently made some of the uh, sounds for the interior beeps and things like that uh, for uh, some of the new Lincolns. And I came across this timeline that appeared in Car and Driver magazine some months back, and it's fairly comprehensive. I'll just touch on some of them, but it kind of traces the history of, of audio in the car. Of course, in 1930, Galvin Manufacturing Corporation, which became Motorola, introduced pretty much the first car radio for $130 back in 1930. So they're saying that translates into about $2,000 in today's money. Uh, Earl Muntz, remember the Muntz Jet car? Sure. And you probably sure. have one on your uh, on your channel. Yeah, two of them. Cool. Above, not that many made too, right? They no. didn't uh, make too many of those. He was uh, he was an engineer. He was just he did a lot of things. And Earl Muntz um, basically had a lot to do with early audio. In 1962, he basically came out with what transformed into the eight track um, uh, tape. Uh, he had a, uh, a continuous loop. Uh, 
player was a proprietary system that he had that uh, it wouldn't be rewound or just be a continuous loop, which was what a eight track uh, tape is. It's got eight tracks on there and you would just punch through the things. And eight track had its day and um, starting in 1965, 1966, we had talked about this on a previous program with the Mustang, but um, Earl Muntz was the one that uh, kind of introduced that concept in 1962. Remember those things um, that you would uh, that look like a cassette uh, uh, tape that you would plug into your uh, that you insert into the cassette deck, but it would actually have a, a jack on it so you could plug in something else and hear it through your your car radio. Uh, that came out in 1988 from Ricoton. Remember them? They're now defunct, but they patented the cassette tape adapter, and it's the early workaround for the now common auxiliary input jack. And that had a lot of uses. You can still probably find them. I'm sure somebody makes them somewhere. You could probably find them on eBay if you're really uh, caught up on that. This is something I didn't know, Lou. In 2001, the first Bluetooth hands-free car kits were sold, which is interesting because I thought Bluetooth was pretty much like a smartphone thing. But uh, they're saying in 2001, uh, they were uh, selling Bluetooth hands-free car kits. So that's something I didn't know about. A couple other things here. Uh, 1983, we're kind of bouncing around a little bit with the years. But 1983, Blaupunkt uh, began selling an in-dash CD player in 1983. And in 1985, Mercedes introduced factory-installed CD players. And despite the fact in uh, current times, 2019, that uh, no one can... And remember the last time they actually listened to a CD, I can. Uh, an IIHS study says that 76% of new cars sold in 2015, so that's a few years ago, have CD players. And they say that the group predicts that number will still be at 54% in 2021, which is a few years uh uh, in the future. So that means that that, you know, despite everyone saying everyone streams and downloads music and everything like that. The CD will still at least be around, I think, in the car. I think it's still a convenient way to listen to music in the car, especially if you have a changer. And one thing I always like, too, is invariably when I buy a used car, whether it's my uh, my Porsche or, or something like that, and it's got a CD changer, invariably I'll go to the back and open up the CD changer. There's always somebody's six discs that were forgotten in there when they traded the car and you can kind of get an idea of maybe who owned the car, depending on what kind of music was in there. So it's always interesting. I just found one too in my 911. I didn't even know because it doesn't have a, a CD changer in it, but it's got a little in the glove box. It's got a little uh, two slot holder for two CDs. And for some reason I didn't realize there was still a CD in there. And I pulled it out the other day. I'm like, oh, wow, this has been here for a year and a half since I owned the car. I didn't know about that. But how do you like to listen to music in your cars? You know, I, uh, it depends on what car I'm driving. Um, if it's the Viper, I usually don't listen. I just listen mm. to them, to the, to the motor, but, uh, uh, generally, I'll listen to the radio or I yeah. will, you know, if I know I'm going on a trip, then I'll usually throw a CD in. Yeah. Two Do you ever do any iPod stuff where you've got like your, your music library on an iPod or on your phone? You know, and, and my, uh, my oldest, uh, 20, uh, 23 does, you know, they'll plug into the car and listen to whatever they feel is hot at the time. So I, you know, captive audience for yeah. that, but um, so, so yeah, they're doing it all the time. I'm, I'm probably still old school. I'm like you, I, I tend to just listen to the radio, uh, yeah. and, or, uh, you know, like if I know I'm going on a road trip or something, yeah, I might I'll, load up the I'll, CD changer yeah, with six discs that, and, yeah. and put it in there. But yeah, as far as uh, like iPod and things like that, I'm not really, um, 
at that point in my music, uh, uh, mobile music listening. And one other uh, neat thing I wanted to talk about, and I'm sure you've seen this in some of the cars you've got on your channel. In 1955, remember the Highway Hi-Fi? Yeah. Chrysler yeah, premiered there's, it. There's a few. It was the in-car record player called the Highway Hi-Fi for 1956 Chrysler models. Uh, used 7-inch discs, and I believe they turned at 16 and 2 thirds RPM. They yep. were like half what a what a, um, a uh, LP at thirty three and thirds cost nearly two hundred dollars and lasts only a few model years. I just always wondered would those skip a lot or it was turning so slow that I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that was the, the the mentality behind it was it would turn so slow that it, it wouldn't, wouldn't be, skip. Yeah, so. Um, I have some of them on the channel, uh, cars that do have those. I'm thinking of like a 1960 Fury, I believe, with a uh, record player in it. And there's a uh, 56 or 57 DeSoto with a record player in it. Uh, the challenge, the, I, 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 to answer your question more effectively, though, I never have taken a ride yeah, neither have in I. a car with a rec- with a record player in it and, yeah. and and one of the things that i i didn't play the record player because youtube would then tell me i don't have the sure. rights oh, yeah, to whatever of course, yeah. whatever song is being yeah. played by you know uh buddy holly or elvis presley or whoever so um so i would show the show it but i wouldn't play it did you also remember that back in the i want to say 69 70 do you remember the dictaphone uh yeah i remember that yeah there was a like a plymouth or dodge chrysler Dictaphone, where you um, it looked a little bit almost like a CB. CB. Okay, because I'm wondering because in speaking of Chrysler's uh, in the Imperial line, which was actually its own mark uh, in the late mid to late '60s, they had a edition. I know we've talked about this before, and it's on the tip of my head um, tongue right now. Um, and it was the um, what was it? it was Mobile Dictator. I think that was that was what it was called the mobile uh, mobile it was mobile dictator mobile something where in the Chrysler it was a two door Imperial and the front passenger seat would actually rotate 180 degrees and it was for the CEO who'd be sitting in the back seat with his secretary rotated around to take dictation or oh, typing okay, and they had yeah. a fold down chair yeah. and they had plug in lamps it was really cool and I don't yeah. know if a dictaphone would have been an option for that thing yeah. Um, but it's, it, I thought that was the coolest and you'll see them every now and then for sale on, on Hemmings. And I thought that is the, the funkiest, coolest option because yeah. who would think that, that yeah. you'd be able to rotate the chair all the way around. You'd have a fold down seat and I guess, you know, you'd have your, your chauffeur driving the car, but it's only a two door. It's not a limo. It's not a four door. It's a two door coupe. And, um, yeah, mobile, no, it's not mobile dictators, mobile. I'll think of it probably by the end of the show. And, um, well, I it's think very mobile, cool option. mobile dictators yeah. usually anytime <laughs> yeah. my wife gets in the car and driving somewhere long, the mobile dictator, you're driving too fast. You're in the wrong lane. Did you see that car? The mobile dictator. Uh, we're getting too old here. My, my mind is mush sometimes, I tell you, but I'll, I will definitely, if I don't think about it, uh, think of the correct name now. I will, I will have it for our next program so I can always, um, uh, I, it's like the Department of Accuracy is very important to me. So we'll take a quick break here on the Car Guys Report, and we'll be back right after this. I'm Howard Sudbury. I'm Steve Baskerville. On the next Back to You, Steve, you're making a big change for 2020. Yes, I am. I'm going to change the way that I approach people in life. I can't wait to hear about that. And we're also going to talk about what it's like when you have an uncomfortable interview. And we'll have many of those in 2020. Back to you with Howard Sudbury 
and Steve Baskerville. Back to you, an Opie show, only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved a better place. Radiomisfits.com. If you missed Losano or Losano and friends, here's what you missed. My name is Ryan Cheverini. I'm the co-host of Windy City Live. The shorter you are, the more famous you are. That is true. Yeah. Well, then explain Will Ferrell, because you've had him. Uh, he's a big dude. Yeah. yeah. No, he's yeah. like 6'4". Will Ferrell was awesome. Will, um, you could talk to him just like we're talking right now yeah. when the light's not on. Yeah. As soon as the camera light goes on, uh, you can't ask him anything serious. <laughs> like, I think I asked him. I said, hey, I'm going to ask you a little bit about you know your things that you like to watch, this, whatever. He goes, yeah, yeah, cool, whatever. I come, We come out, and I go, what's the movie that you watch late at night when you're flipping channels? and you just have to watch it because it's so funny. And he's like, um, you know, uh, probably um, Booty Call. <laughs> Radio Misfits. Get more Lozano and Friends. Lozano. Now on Lozano.com. Good luck trying to spell Lozano or whatever the f*** it's called. And we're back here on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. I'm Mark Vernon, along with uh, Lou Costable. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. Certainly appreciate you having uh, you along here on the Car Guys Report. Uh, another great list that uh, we came across the other day, and some of these I'm not uh, real positive on the certain models. Some of them I've never heard of. But what this list is, Lou, from Road & Track, it's a... 10 cars that are eligible for U.S. importation next year, which would be 2020. Of course, cars uh, that are being imported um, into the U.S. have to be at least 25 years old. So that means people kind of track this stuff. And like in 2020, okay, I can finally get the, you know, whatever car that I really want. And I've got some editorial comments that I wrote after these cars, too. Uh, most of them, a lot of them are Asian cars. A handful are, are European, but I'll just start at the top of the list. Um, and some of these I've never even heard of or seen before. Very interesting. Something called a Toyota Mega Cruiser. Basically, it looks like a Japanese Hummer H1. It's got rear-wheel steering on it. Very cool vehicle. I don't know how many they made, uh, where you would find one, but a Toyota Mega Cruiser. Uh, an R33 Nissan Skyline GTR. And I just kind of said yawn because it's another Skyline derivative of a Nissan Skyline. I mean, people are all over those, but I think we talked about this in another uh, program that we're importing so many Skylines now that they're saying stop because I guess they're running out of them in Japan. <laughs> There's right. not enough left for, for them. Yeah, because Godzilla. everyone's been waiting for Skylines to be you know import importable, and they've been importable now for a few years, and, and these other variations of the Skyline line are becoming um, uh, eligible for importation here in the U.S. The uh, Mazda RX-7 SP. Now, what this was, was it had a bunch of aero tweaks on the body. It was for homologation purposes for the Australian production car race series. And homologation is when uh, car manufacturers are required that they'll come up with a really boss uh, car for racing, but then in order for it to be legalized in the eyes of the government the car manufacturer has to produce a certain amount of them like 100 or 200 that they sell to the public and that's called homologation so they're always rare and sought after because they're pretty cool they're basically like factory race cars and that you can buy so the mazda rx7 sp the bmw m5 touring wagon 
which is very cool. Now, this is an Electra special edition, only 20 made. So good luck finding one of 20 made for import here. And, and I couldn't find info, any info on what made it special edition. But uh, those BMW wagons are very, very good looking cars. And uh, I could see that definitely someone would be interested in that. Now, this is one, Lou, that I wasn't positive what the, I've never even heard of it. It was called the Sard, S-A-R-D. MC8. They only made one of them. So, <laughs> I mean, some of these lists are a little out there. How did you not there. know that one? Yeah, Mark. well, you know, I, I don't know everything. It's got Gee. a Toyota Twin Turbo V8, and to me, it looked like a 1995 NSX. Now, whoever has that one is not. I, yeah, be, I know, exactly. Unless you just. Throw a ton of money what at him. What kind them. of a list is this that we have here? Okay, go ahead. Mitsubishi Lancer Evo 3. And they went up to about the Evo 8 here, I think, when they were selling them here. But it's retro lover car, uh, the Mitsubishi Lancer Evos. They don't make them anymore. Uh, very cool cars. And, of course, the uh, the JDM versions were always going to be cooler than anything that they sold here. So uh, if you're a Mitsu uh, Evo uh, devotee, uh, you can uh, pick up an Evo 3 for 2020 U.S. import. The Alpha GTV, the new version, which is front-wheel drive, V6, kind of odd-looking. To me, it reminds me of, you know, the original Alpha GTVs were awesome cars back in the early, uh, late 60s, early 70s, and then they had a newer version that came out in the mid-70s. Um, the Alpha uh, Spider, it's kind of what they did with the Alpha Spider back in the, I want to say the early 2000s, they kind of redesigned the, the Alpha Spider long after it was not available here anymore and it became a front wheel drive car it just didn't have the cachet that you know classic you know dustin hoffman and the graduate driving a spider had and this alpha gtv is kind of the same thing it's a front wheel drive v6 i my editorial comment was it's kind of odd but um something if you're interested in that why not uh Al bmw alpina b8 which is based on the e36 3 series but it's got a four liter v8 alpina makes uh, great cars uh they basically take bmws and tune them up kind of along the lines of like an amg uh, and they've been in business for a long time great stuff the nissan cedric gran turismo it's a big four-door sedan looks similar to an infinity m45 if you remember what the m45 looked like it looked kind of like a japanese gangster car very angular very sinister looking very cool car and then the one <laughs> i love my comments here an mgf mid-engine rear-wheel drive and i just said it was ugly um and who would really want an mgf which would be a british car uh, from 25 years ago, so that would be 1995 would be the year that it was made. So I don't know. I mean, I, on this list, Lou, obviously I would think the Toyota Mega Cruiser would be very cool to get. You'd be the only one driving one of those into a Cars and Coffee and probably squashing anything that gets in your way. And um, I think maybe just um, the Alpina BMW stuff would be good too. But I'm sure there's going to be way more of these lists coming out um, early next year because – that's the way it goes with this thing. People keep their eyes on the stuff and, and waiting for it to, uh, uh, you know, be eligible for import. And at some point in the program, too, we should talk about <clears throat> what it takes to import a car. Because I've done that, and it was something that, um, you know, I've always wanted to do, and I'm glad I did it. And um, I wouldn't be in a big hurry to do it again uh, just because it takes, just takes a long time and just seems like endless amounts of money you got to keep shelling out for shipping and things like that but again i didn't do a lot of shopping around with with my stuff i just wanted to get it done you know to get the sob here but 
that's the way it went with the uh, with the importation on my end. But again, maybe we'll talk about that in a future show. Uh, but we're at the point in the program now with Lou. He's going to talk about his YouTube channel called My Car Story with Lou, and we kind of nicknamed it the LouTube <laughs> channel because that's Lou what. Too. But this is the guessing game where Lou will. Do we, uh, do we need to promote the Car Guys report just before this? If, if not, we're fine. Okay. Good. Yeah. All right. Well, so what? We're actually. It? Well, let's do that. Okay. You're right. I'm. I'm. I'm kind of rushing through this a little bit, but I'm sorry about that. So let's back off and be. <laughs> take a deep breath. It's the Car Guys Report, <sighs> Informed Automotive. It's an Opie show. You can catch it on opishows.com or wherever you find your podcast. Just search for Radio Misfits, and you can also search directly for the Car Guys Report. And when you uh, listen to us, please uh, take time to subscribe as well, because when you subscribe, you'll get an automatic notification of new content, and uh, that's whenever new content is available from the Car Guys Report, which is basically every week. And you can also rate us, too. We've got some nice ratings on Apple Podcasts, and we'd love to get a few more. Uh, you can catch us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. You can also access dr- us directly at Radio Misfits Podcast Network, which is at radiomisfits.com. And another thing, too, whenever you are listening to a podcast, it's listening on your own terms. You can listen to it on any device you have, whether you're at home with your tablet or your laptop or your desktop or you're in the car or on the go with your smartphone. You can rewind, replay. You can fast forward. You can go back and, and listen to previously listened to episodes. You can do whatever you want. It's listening on your terms. And of course, it's totally free. It's all part of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, and we are the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Mark Vernon along with Lou Costable, and now we're at the point in the program where Lou will uh, quiz me on three videos that he has uh, shown on his, uh, posted on his uh, popular YouTube channel called My Car Story with Lou, and I've got to try to guess which ones had the most views. And I'm batting, uh, recently in, in last uh, week's show, I uh, redeemed myself and kind of uh, came back to at least a 50-50 percentage. Usually I do pretty well, but every now and then there's a curve, and Lou always says, like, yeah, I'm not sure why this one didn't do so good, or this one really blew it out of the park. So, so let, let's kind of go to uh, that point. So I'll start with the cars in numeric order, and uh, this is my channel. So in other words... You know, you could go to Jay Leno's channel and it could have the same model car, could have tons of hits, and mine doesn't, or vice versa. So uh, let's go right into it. So I'm going to pick some ones that are a little more unique this time. We'll start with the 64 Studebaker Avanti in Turquoise with the supercharged cool. R2 engine. That's the first one, number one. Number two is the rare 1965 ASA 1000 GT Spider in blue. Only, I understand, about three of them left in existence. ASA, was that Italian? It was Italian. Yeah. It was basically a baby Ferrari. Okay. So, and uh, I'm giving you any clues you need to give you the educated <laughs> guess you'd like. And lastly, let's go American all the way with the 69 Dodge Dart GTS. However, this one, Mark, has the unique rarely seen M code selected, which meant that they stuffed a 440 in Wow. So we've got a 64 Avante Studebaker uh, with a supercharged R2 engine. A rare 1965 ASA 1000 GT Spider in blue with a four-cylinder 
or as the owner called it, the baby Ferrari (laughs) engine in it, and the 69 Dodge Dart GTS stuffed with a 440 and the M code. And what color was the was the dart? The dart is green. Green. And so what color was the a- ASA? The ASA is blue and the Avanti is turquoise. Turquoise. Yeah, I know you said that. <sighs> so let's go. This one's a tough one, one two, because three. Any other information you need before no, you make your guesses? No, I'm I'd like to say in my heart that the ASA did well, but I'm going to go with the with the turquoise blue Avanti, and then the Dart, and then the ASA. Okay, so and I'm probably wrong, but well, here we go. Your number <laughs> one pick was the Avanti, and the number one pick is actually the Dart with the really okay, all right. And there's a big gap in the number. Wow, there's twenty seven thousand people watched the Dodge Dart. And there were 8,320 with the Avanti. And in last place, because nobody knows what, what it, it is, is, yeah. is the rare ASA okay. 1000 GT Spider, who nobody's looking at. But for those special people who listen to the Car Guys report, go to YouTube and punch in 1965 ASA and see this extremely rare car by John Weinberger, who is the mm-hmm. CEO of Continental Motors mm-hmm. here in the Chicagoland area, who has the Ferrari He's got uh, some amazing cars. He, This is in his gallery. Yeah. And um, John, I, I consider a friend of mine, and he, uh, I, I'm always uh, enamored that he allows me to come by and, and check out his toys and he's just such a car guy he wants to share the legacy of these things so uh the car uh the uh, my car story is a perfect venue to keep that legacy going cool and lou i just thought i uh the synapses fired and the imperial that i was uh, trying to think of is the mobile director the mobile and hopefully you can find one to do on your channel because it would be a very cool car to 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 highlight yeah. those features because they are there it's just well just I can, such a crazy i can package. video my wife she clearly <laughs> yeah. is the mobile director so so if you I'm video that car she'll be in the back seat and you'll be in the in the passenger yeah, seat turned around with the typewriter taking the she'll uh, be she is the mobile director every time she gets in the car <laughs> did you see that it's on the left of you look are you paying attention at all who needs navigation when you've got yeah, her right 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 <laughs> how long is this got to get, to pay attention to what you're doing you're going too fast. Get in the wrong lane. And just uh, so you know, the uh, YouTube channel that Lou has his uh, channel on is called the um, My Car Story with Lou. And he has uh, 1,500 videos, 65,000 followers. And it's just a great, uh, if nothing more, it's a great resource. If you just want to know what a specific car looks like, you've never seen one. Because you've got some really unique stuff on there. And like yeah. you said, that ASA, you know. Three. There's, yeah, you know, just factually, I mean, the the goal was two two things. The number one goal is to share the the legacy of sure. some of these yeah, great historic, cars, and, yeah. and more importantly, the stories on why they're special. Yeah, and the reason why is because I was looking at my son's over his shoulder when he was eight six years ago, and uh, you know, I saw you know this this opportunity that we could leave this legacy and these great stories because you know it. You go to what fifty car shows yeah. a year. And half of the battle is listening to these people tell you why their car is so special. Well, my dad had this car when he got out of the Navy. And, you know, I mean, or I dated this girl back in high school and we drove in this car. You know, the the stories go on and on and on. And uh, a lot of times these people keep the memorabilia from those cars. Sure. You see time period correct things. And I call those trunk and treats. Um, So there's just a lot of real if if you're into cars. 
I think you'll enjoy the channel. And, uh, you know, my, my commentary, you know, disregard that. It's just, you know, my wife actually turns the volume off on half of them. I like to see the pretty cars. So, you know, if, if, you know, sometimes I get so excited, I'm looking at a hood ornament and I'm calling it an ashtray. So, so just, you know, sometimes <laughs> shiny I'm Shiny object. Yeah, shiny object. So sometimes I'm on, sometimes I'm off. But uh, this is the reason why I jump behind the camera and keep the camera focused on the main attraction, the car. Cool. And it's uh, My Car Story with Lou on YouTube. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, a surprising statistic about an endangered car feature that enthusiasts adore. What is it? We'll let you know. This story and much more on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. I'm Mark Vernon, along with uh, Luke Hostel. Thanks so much for taking the time to uh, spend uh, your uh, half hour, hour, whatever it would be here, listening to us babble on about cars. Certainly do appreciate it. And once Again, if you've got anything to say to us, CarGuysReport at Hotmail.com. Special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with OpiShows.com. Opi is hippo, spelled backwards, O-P-P-I-H, Shows.com. Distributed by Ed Silha with Radio Misfits. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place, and that would be Radio Misfits. The proceeding was a presentation of Opi Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opi Productions. Tony, can you shut up? This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. On this week's Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. Trial by combat. The most annoying sound ever. Gwyneth Paltrow's candle. Stern sweaty sphincter. <laughs> Celebrity potpourri with Richard M. Daly. And we interview author Lou Macaluso about the Berlin Wall and a great escape. All that in unlimited tangents on this week's Minutia Men. Tony Lasano podcast and Opie production on the Radio Misfits podcast network. Radiomisfits.com. Direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Stay tuned. Rock on TV. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications. From Bandstand to Gaga, let's rock on TV. For info and tickets, visit museum.tv. And Friends, starring me, Tommy. And me, Kimmy. And me, Sam. Come meet your new best friends. <laughs> hey, if you want to listen to our show, this is what it sounds like exactly. It's all about those conversations you can only have with your true friends. So come meet your new friends, Tommy. Kimmy. Sam. Right here with Ant Friends. Me want you as friends. Radiomisfits.com. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, it's one of the Mercuries that was used in Hawaii Five O, now in need of restoration. Plus another great automotive list. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and Luke Costable for these stories and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. <laughs>